Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. There they are. Welcome, everybody. This is the H2O Podcast. We are in the studio for the second week in a row. I'm excited. My name is Jason Hunt. And I'm Timothy Harvey. And it is, this is 331. Um, I hadn't really realized, I didn't really pay attention, but last week, kind of, kind of a milestone. I mean, it was, I guess, appropriate that we were at 330 and coming back into the studio. It's a nice number. Nice even number. Sure, right. Round with the zero at the end. Right, sure. And and three and three are both round, so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> so uh, anyway, welcome uh, everybody. We are broadcasting live to Odyssey, YouTube, and Facebook. The live chat is active. Uh, let's see who we got in there. I see Dave. I see Mazers. I see uh, Dave Mazers. That's it. So we're getting there. It's all right. It's early. People are still getting used to the new day and time, I'm sure. And, of course, we've got other streams that are going on right now, other channels that are live at the same time we are. So it's the way of things. It's yeah. the way of things. So if you're watching us in replay, if you're in Memorex mode, that's fine, too. You can still leave a comment. And welcome. And, uh, of course, we've always got uh, the email address where you can send us thoughts, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. Now, you may notice that I'm fidgeting with this little fidget widget in my hand, right? I got these today. We did an unboxing today. Mm-hmm. <coughs> these are uh, electric, electronic, in, electromagnetic interference reducing barrels. So what these are supposed to do, that's the key word here, what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. is when you clip them <coughs> around a cable, whether right. it's a video cable or an audio cable or something like that, it's supposed to cut down on the electromagnetic interference, which is causing the static that we still have in our audio. Oh, interesting. And I think it's coming from the cables going from the monitors to the tower. So those are getting wrapped first. Okay, interesting. And we'll see how that goes. Um Nice Buck Rogers theme. I've never seen that before now. Well, it's brand new. We started it last week, the new mm-hmm. Buck Rogers intro last week. Um, so I don't know how long we'll keep it. Uh, we may change the voiceover at the beginning because I am clearly not. I am clearly not William Conrad. Uh, and for those of you who listen to this as a podcast, you don't get to experience that. So watch the live stream every now and again and catch the full experience. Because it is an experience, right? Uh, because you know, after all this time, that's all we got to sell. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, all right. SP says signal boosters on Twitter stream. Thank you very much. Uh, it's always good to do that. And also, um, I've been I've been toying with the idea, and I don't know about doing this or not. But since we're pushing the Discord server mm-hmm. and, and trying to do more with that, right. and we've got the Twitch, and we're going to start doing a little bit more of our Twitch streams this, this year, I've been just noodling a nugget of an idea to do uh, a pre-show stream somewhere mm. 
whether it's on Discord through one of the video channels or, you know, audio channel or whatnot, or if it's on Twitch where we just throw a camera up and, oh, my shot is very, very bad. Um, <laughs> let's, oh. let's show people that that's, that's not a very good shot. Timothy Harvey. You, you, well, see, you didn't switch that. You're supposed to switch that. You said it was a bad shot, so. It is a bad shot. Hang right? on. <laughs> All right, well, let us. That's let a us, framing issue, not a Timothy Harvey that's a, issue. That's a framing oh, issue. No. Let me, let me. And also a lighting issue. You're very, that's a very dark shot. That is a very bad. All right. Oh, I know what happened with that. All right. I know what happened with the lighting issues because, because, uh, yeah. All right. Let's, let's see if that looks any better because, you know, we have to, right. we have, you know, we have to present the boss in a semi-decent light. <coughs> Hush. That's a little better. I don't know if it's in focus or not because... I don't have any way of focusing. I, I mean, um, I think it's... You're mostly in it's focus. It's I'm mostly in focus. This is the advantage of the podcast, because I don't you have to worry about out, the camera right, shots, yeah. right? Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> all right. So, um, so yeah, uh, the, the Buck Rogers thing is... My thinking is we, we, do, we do an opening title sequence that's reminiscent of various different, you know, shows and stuff that we've seen in the past... And, and the pre-show <laughs> idea that I had is to maybe do, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour before the show where we stream as we're getting ready. So laying out all of the stuff, setting up the cameras. It's kind of like the a lights. Discord thing to build the Discord group. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, don't, I don't have anything against Twitch, yeah. but uh, it just seems like it would be, I mean, I, maybe I would, Twitch is the way to go. We need to figure out... We need to figure out the camera stuff because once we have OBS running, all of the cameras are committed to the OBS software and, right, they're, yeah. and they're captured there. And so we would have to, I, I might have to plug in another camera, but now I'd have to figure out where to plug in the other camera. So we might have to put it on a different computer even. So I don't know. All right. Um, <laughs> H2O podcast. Jason is missing from a chair and the sound of fiddle fiddle in the background. Yeah, you know. I'm sorry. Are you expecting something? Fiddle fiddle is, is something. Have you have you not met our us? Wide shot looks really bright. Doesn't that look like it's glowing a little bit here? Think look at this. That's that's kind of a um, little bit. Well, a little blown yeah, out. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Not too bad. I have to adjust that, but not right now. <laughs> I got to do it now. You're just gonna have to. You're just gonna have just to bask, squint. basket our glow tonight. Turn down, the, turn the, down the brightness of your monitor, which you should do anyway. Because I don't say, folks. And and maybe put a blue filter or something on it. But you know, I'm. I'll I'll do the trade off. I'll take the trade off for this, and Mindy hits all the right buttons tonight. So that's the trade off. <laughs> because so far we're not betting a thousand on any of that. Anyway, anyway, let's get to our topic, shall we? <laughs> you might notice, though, in the wide shot, you may notice, those of you who are watching, either live or Memorex, the stack of books that's in front of us. Very briefly, let me tell you, I, I, uh, Mindy and I went down last Wednesday to Arkansas to visit a friend of mine. And we met, uh, happen, happened to have some time 
we met R.J. Carter from Christ from Critical Blast. Mm -hmm. uh, he and I do the Blast from the Bunker collaboration show that we do every while. And <coughs> he introduced us to a used bookshop down there in, in north of Arkansas. And I spent much more than I should have on all of this stuff. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but there's some James Blish in there. There's mm -hmm. some Theodore Sturgeon in there. There's some Heinlein in there. Uh, there's a V book. There's also this this hardback that's down here on the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also the mutiny on the uh, mutiny on the bounty, the uh, William Bly's account, right? Not the not the movie not the movie version story, right? right. But yeah. The actual mm -hmm. journal thing. But this book right here is a collection of a lot of different things: fiction, biblical history. American history, music, art, poetry, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is in this book. Mm. Published in 1894. And it was only $24. I'm like, no, that's, that's, so. oh, and you know what else I got? I unboxed today. What? I should show them. Go get Too it. much, I will go get it. You vamp for a minute. I'll be right back. I was a used book dealer for um, five years, and then a retail book dealer for ten, and then a used book dealer again for a year. Um, I loved used bookstores. I, that I, it's actually how I got the job, the first used bookstore job, was that I was a regular customer. I spent so much money, I was always there, that when um, the lady who ran the store was expanding and moving to a new location, it was like... You want a job? <laughs> well, yes. and I've told Mrs. Boss that the retirement plan mm -hmm. or the second the second career, as we're depending on how things go in the next four or five years, uh, is a used bookshop with a coffee shop in it because you know used bookstore you gotta have some coffee. If if you want an example of, here's what you do: you take a brief pilgrimage to two bookstores, one in Lawrence, one in Manhattan. Same company, Dusty Bookshelf, the place that I used to work. Mm -hmm. The Lawrence store obviously is closer, sure. um, but the Manhattan store is new. Um, there was a fire a few years ago, and so they've completely remodeled the whole thing. Luckily, they were in the process of remodeling anyway when the sure. fire hit, so um, they, in terms of stock, there wasn't as much loss as there could have been a lot of that stuff was our, was actually moved out. But um, the Lawrence store, if I had stayed with the Dusty Bookshelf for a year longer, yes. I would probably be the Lawrence store manager. Wow. But, oh well, that's life. But um, stores are great. They're fantastic. And they're a great example of how to run a used bookstore extremely well. There is another one that I would recommend just to check out. I've never been there, but it is the oldest. Mm the oldest science fiction used bookstore anywhere in the country. It is Uncle Hugo's in Minneapolis, uh, which is not in the same place as it was all these years because of our summer of love in 2020. It burned down mm. along with Uncle, the mystery one next to it. Mm. Um, oh, I just went blank. Okay, mystery or well it's the same same company mm -hmm. you know so you got the science fiction Hugo name for Hugo Gernsback right, of course yeah. 
the the mystery one is named for. Um, it's not Edgar, is it? I no, I think it is, but I'm not sure now. Uh, yeah, um, I um, um, the. If you're ever in the Midwest, folks, uh, my old boss Diane Meredith um, really is just an absolute genius when it comes to used books and. It was one of the hardest things to realize when you get, you get into the used book world and then in the retail book world and the bookstore that I moved to Kansas City for. Um, I, was the, uh, I ran the Johnson County Library used bookstores. Mm -hmm. And if you love books, one of the most amazing things is to work in the book world. And if you love books, one of the most tragic thing to work is in, <laughs> in the book world because the, as much as we prize the physical books, there is a point where you have to throw some away. Yeah. And it breaks your heart, um, but it's just the reality. And it's, it's one of those things where, it's like anything, any other business, once you're inside it, you're like, hey, this is just how it is. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. So you end up taking home a lot of stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily take home. Um, well, and I think that there's, there's value. One of the things that I keep looking at is the fact that we are so entrenched now in ebooks and electronic things and stuff you download. And you have a number of companies that are sitting there saying, well, we don't like what you posted on social media. We're going to delete your account. And suddenly all of your stuff is either gone or it gets locked away and you don't have access to it anymore. And, and that kind of stuff is a concern. But also, you know, your hard drive crashes and right. yep. it's gone. And right. or or my Kindle, for example, I had downloaded some stuff to the Kindle and then somehow realized that over at Amazon I had somehow managed to get two different accounts mm. on the same email address. Not sure how that worked. But they wouldn't consolidate them. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I ended up losing everything on the one account because I'm on the other account and it doesn't have the other. So John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood, mm. gone because it was on the one account and I switched out. But physical media, it's, it's becoming, you know, the older I get especially, it's becoming more and more important to me to have copies of things sure. and here in the I'd library. much rather, I listen to a ton of audiobooks. Um, and a lot of that comes out of enjoying specific voice actors, right? Their performances, mm -hmm. right? right. My ba I've got a background in acting, and uh, so I really appreciate that. I know voice artists. Um, but the, you know, if anyone has ever seen, I, I don't think we've ever used that, posted that picture of my living room where around my TV, mm. I've, got, I've got two bookshelves on either side of my television, and in between the two bookshelves, on the floor, stacked up this high are stacks of books, yeah. like four deep around the TV because I don't have bookshelves for them. I actually don't have the wall space. The way the apartment's laid out there, it's not like blank wall space. I've got a lot of windows, which is nice. Um, but, so I have these giant you piles. You windows. I have these giant piles of books on the floor. Um, and the thing is, it's because I just, I don't, I just love books. Now, I don't buy as many books because I do get a lot of audio books just because, you know. Right. Um, but I, I, I ask for books for Christmas every year. It's like I want this title. I want the, you know, um, and and I buy. I do still buy quite a few books. I just don't buy as many as I used to physically. Um, but even 
if you don't do anything wrong, the reality is is that sometimes, so for example, in audiobooks, an old edition will go out of print. Right. And while many, because of course Audible isn't the only one, that's the one I currently have, but while there are many, many of those services that basically say, you buy the book, it's your book forever, right? Right. Um, publishers have been known to basically make those older editions go away from people's catalogs, just cease to exist. Right. And it's not the service, it's, it's a, you know, it's, the service isn't doing it maliciously, it's just what their deal with the publisher is. The new edition comes out, therefore the old edition becomes mystery. Um, <laughs> did, did I, didn't I have this book? Wasn't, you know, and which I was actually really concerned about because the Terry Pratchett estate has record is recording a brand uh, re-recording all the Terry Pratchett books. Uh, Bill Nye, um, uh, Peter, uh, just uh, it's these full cast recordings and with the, like amazing British actors. You're like, oh, I know who that is, yeah. Um, and <laughs> so these new editions are coming out. Well, I have most of that series under the previous two voice right. work guys, and they're amazing and wonderful, and they're great. And I'm like, I don't want to. Okay, they're still there. <laughs> I I have, oh, I think we've talked before, I've got the Edgar Rice Burroughs, I've got four Tarzans mm -hmm. that look like their first editions. And that brings me back to the hall, because you want to start first edition, right? There was this movie in 1983, and this movie in 1983 went through a title change. It was promoted in the very beginning with one title, mm. <clears throat> and then they had to change it. Because there was another movie that was coming out that has a similar type of title, both of them involving getting back at somebody, mm. right? And they were both star franchises. Mm. You had Star Wars, Revenge of the Jedi, I don't know, some of us of an age that were Right, this. sure, yeah, the poster, you saw the poster. I saw the poster, and... There was this Star Trek II, The Vengeance of Khan, which was coming out, and, and they do too similar, so we got to change it. And George Lucas was like, well, Jedi don't really go for revenge, so it's kind of a dark side thing, so we're going to change it anyway, right? So you had, when it was released... And in truth, it is a better title. Yeah, it yes. is. So you have Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. and you have The Wrath of Khan, right. <laughs> neither of which ended up using a, a revenge anything. And in both cases, the titles, I think, are improved. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook, mm. and I'm just scrolling through last week, and there's this, uh, there's this uh, uh, collectibles outfit that, you you know, you go into the antique stores, they do all the consignment stuff, you know, sure, I'm selling right, this yeah, over yeah. here, and you're selling this there, and there's that. So they've got these photographs of various different Star Wars things in this cabinet. I'm looking at all these things, and I, and I notice... Wait, what is that? What is it? Pinch it open, right? Because you got to look. Right, right, sure, of course. And Miss Boss is going to jump in because she's going to make the accusation that I squealed. I did not squeal. I did not squeal. I did not squeal. It's number three on the board. I already did that. Okay, it doesn't have an on-off switch. I don't hear myself. 
go, oh, well, I don't know what to tell you then. So you squealed. And, I, and so what? In, in, he squealed. I did not. Anyway, I didn't jump up and down. I jumped a little bit because I was startled. I, was like, I haven't seen. My plants All right. even stood up. So, <laughs> so here's what we found. Here's what I found. It's a patch. And you'll notice on this patch what it says. Mm -hmm. It says revenge of the Jedi on this patch and I just about hit the floor <laughs> because the only marketing material that I've ever known to exist that had that title was the poster I have a vague memory of a hat but I'm not sure if that's I'm wondering if this is from the hat, mm. maybe. Dave says he's got two of those. Fine. You do a show then. <laughs> I'm, ki I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, I, I'm like, is this authentic? Mm. Because, you know, you could get reproductions right, and stuff sure. every yeah, now and again. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's reproductions of the poster that float around all the time. Right, you know, yeah. Everybody's got the posters. No, this is, this is a reissue. It's not, it's not an original. Right. But this, just looking at it, it's it's been pulled from something. Mm -hmm. This looks like it could be the real thing. And I was excited to get this because cool. it's like having it's like having E. T. <laughs> and only, a sorry and brandy only, bottle. Only I mean less likely to be in a landfill. Yeah, yeah. But I was really surprised to saw that all that all that. Okay. So anyway. That does actually somewhat connect to our topic. Yes. Which we are getting to. Um, <coughs> I have I have figured out why we do this is to give people enough time to get in here that they don't miss any of the important parts of the discussion where we actually get on topic twenty minutes into the show. Yeah, that or we're just really old and we ramble around and <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. And we're we just, do know what we're doing. We're rambling for 20 minutes uh but um <laughs> so we used to have a show called trailer park yes and we might bring it back and there's been a bunch there's a whole bunch of genre stuff that is coming in and 2023 is potentially shaping up we'll see what the, what the actual films are like right um and uh, TV shows in a couple of cases. Um, we'll um, uh, shaking up to be a pretty strong year for yeah. Some it, it does look uh, it does look a little bit uh, interesting on some of the stuff. I'm <coughs> I'm intrigued by Jung E. I have not seen that trailer. It is uh, a futuristic dystopian. Um, battle droid robot mm. type of thing so basically you have in the in the in the future a lot of humanity has gone off world into orbital facilities mm -hmm. to to save humanity type of right. thing right and there is a combat soldier combat veteran and she's like unparalleled skill best best of the best type you mm -hmm. know elite soldier and most of the war is being fought against robots 
mechs and you know the you know the the Boston Dynamics stuff. Right? right, sure. And she gets killed in a mission, and so they copy her brain en- engrams. And as you do, as when her daughter gets old enough and is a scientist and is part of the project, well, what they do is they build an android of Super Soldier Mom mm-hmm. and put Super Soldier Mom's consciousness into the template android. Right now, they got all these copies. Right. Right. Well, template android mom is conscious, is mom, mm-hmm. and daughter finally recognizes mom and realizes we're torturing mom and helps her escape. Mm. So now mom, the android, is being hunted by herself. By mom's the copies. Oh. It's rather interesting. I think yeah. it's a Korean. Uh, a Korean yeah, yeah. I, I, oh. I can't remember who's uh, the team behind that. Um, I think is uh, yes. Now the real star of the show is here. We can start. Okay, right. sure. <laughs> right. Fine. I don't know. We didn't talk about this. Are, are we? Are we just going to talk about them? Are we going to? Do we have them queued up or anything? Or I, I don't have them queued up. And part of that is because I'm upset with Dick Clark Productions. Because. Okay. Yesterday's live from the bunker. I was talking about the the revival of Brendan Fraser and and yeah, uh-huh. Ki, Ki Hui Kwan's careers, right? right? Yeah. And I played the clip of Brendan Fraser's acceptance speech at the Critics Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. And I played Keith's I played Key's acceptance speech at the Golden Globe Awards. Mm-hmm. And I'm commenting around them, and I'm you know saying, but I played the clip. And this morning I wake up to find not only has that video been demonetized because of a copyright claim, it has also been blocked worldwide from anybody seeing it because of well. said copyright claim. And it's from the Dick Clark Productions. I have filed a dispute. It's fair use. I think that is. So very nobody much can the see case. it on YouTube. <clears throat> so I wouldn't look for it on YouTube. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, so no, I don't have any of the trailers queued up, but Jung E looks pretty good. Um, this is from the uh, the folks who brought you uh, Train to Busan. Yes, yes, yes. Train yeah. to Busan. So this is the director uh, of Train to Busan, and um, it looks pretty intriguing. Unfortunately, also the director of Peninsula, which is a <laughs> sequel to Train to Busan, and it's a very it's a disappointing follow-up, but. It happens. There is. I keep threatening us with an American train to the sun. Yeah, it's supposedly happening, and pre-production. Mm. I mean, it, it, okay, it could work, but we already have train to the sun. Just watch train to the sun. Yeah, it's an excellent foreign film. Just watch Akira. Yeah. <laughs> don't remake it. Right? Every every <laughs> opportunity, I will say, don't give us any love action. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, so um, so the other one, now there's there's a number of these we've got right. in here, but it, well, one that I definitely want to make sure that we talk about because I was not at all contemplating this movie because Barbie, Barbie because the it, trailer it didn't look like, <laughs> it didn't look like anything. At, you know, it's, it's it's Barbie. It's a live-action Barbie movie. I was like, that's not in our wheelhouse. Yeah, that's not well, a genre. We're not the target demographic, okay? I mean, 
the target demographic. Talking Barbie in Pixar movies. And it's a right, little but I mean, it's, it's, on the it's, edge. But it's a toy aimed at, at young girls. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It's incredible. All my female friends had Barbies. My sister yeah. had a Barbie. I mean, there's. Yeah, my sister had a ton of Barbies. And my dad built. A Barbie house for my sister's Barbie house. This is a custom house. Right. It's yeah, so a Barbie dream house. Get the real, get, you know, he built it. But it's a huge, and the thing it's is, I, mean, I, had, I had no issue with there being a Barbie movie, a live action one, for the very simple fact that whether you're a fan of Barbie or not, Barbie has this big imprint oh, on, yeah. on not only yeah. the American uh, culture, and, and, but the fact that it's an incredibly successful toy line. Well, and that, I mean, seeing, it's been around for a long time. all, I, the, all the photographs, you know, early early production photographs, I thought, oh, okay, somehow, somehow this is kind of like this is going to be kind of like the Brady Bunch movie or Starsky and Hutch or the Dukes, where the the main characters are a parody of them in the real world that everybody's looking at them like they're crazy. You know, like, oh, yeah, weird. I'm thinking, that's not. But then the trailer comes out. And the trailer. <laughs> I, okay, so I, I feel I feel you know I I'm like I'm not I don't I I hope it's a hit for the people involved. It's got a great cast, et cetera, et cetera. I wish you well. No interest in watching it. The trailer comes out. The trailer comes out. And folks, if you have not seen the trailer, I'm I'm legit. This yeah. is a legitimate. Watch the trailer. Yes. I laughed out loud. I did too, and mm-hmm. I saw. I was like, "Wait a minute, what is this?" Because it's it's Kubrick. It's two thousand one, and it starts. It's the exact. This is the thing. Is it's Kubrick's two thousand one trailer? Mm-hmm. They got special arrangement with Kubrick's estate. I mean, this is this is the actual same shots, same footage from two thousand one of Space Odyssey. It's not. Let's shoot it to look like it. It's this is the footage from 2001, that's in the 2001 trailer, that's now in the Barbie trailer, and then let's just digitally replace the apes in the front with the little girls playing with the doll, and then suddenly, bam! There's this giant Barbie, Barbie doll is the monolith, is the monolith. <coughs> and it's the first Barbie. It's the 1950 whatever Barbie in the black and white swimsuit, mm-hmm. right? We had that. And. I thought, oh, this is brilliant because it it's very meta because Barbie did kind of the same thing with those dolls and toys that the monolith did to the apes, right? right? Yeah. Changed everything because now you don't have just the baby doll, you know, and you can and you can play house and be mom. Mm-hmm. It's here's Barbie doll that can be astronaut Barbie and zoologist Barbie and veterinarian Barbie and business owner Barbie and mm-hmm. hair cutter Barbie and you know dog walker Barbie yeah anything so, you want Barbie to be anything you want Barbie to be I even have I, I even have in the collection yeah, there's a Star Trek Barbie. I have the Star Trek Barbie and Ken still in the box and mint in the box the box is not mint and there's this something about this trailer that is just so. If you're a little kid going to go see this movie, this this trailer isn't actually aimed at the kids. It's aimed at the parents yeah. who are going to take the kids. Yeah. It is slick marketing. 
And after you get this big thing where you wear, I'm literally laughing at just how clever this is, it goes into what you probably are going to expect from the movie. So this bright Technicolor, yeah. very very much what you would expect from a Barbie movie. Bar- but the, Barbie girls living in a Barbie world. But the thing is, is that I still don't know if I'm going to watch it, but I'm a lot more likely to want to watch it now than I was before I saw that trailer. I am too. And that is a really interesting thing because um, you get preconceived notions about a thing, right? Whether it's Whether it's because you heard it was good or heard it was bad, or it just doesn't necessarily appeal to you because it's not your thing. But every now, and, and a lot of times a trailer can come out and it doesn't matter if the trailer is amazing or it doesn't matter if the trailer is bad. Yeah. If you want to see the film, the trailer's being bad, you're gonna, you might sit there and go, the trailer, that doesn't tell me anything. Or Unless it's a trailer that tells you everything and right, then you don't which, need to see the movie. In which case, uh, go back to the 1980s and <laughs> um, where you would basically get, or. or uh, Star Trek the motion picture is a great example of this trailer is almost four minutes long. I've just watched the movie. You guys have t- you guys give me every and the thing is is that it's you go back and you watch that trailer, it is the entire movie in four minutes. But anyway. Mostly. Anyway. Um but the thing is is that this is a, a really effective trailer in the fact that I might actually watch this movie now. Now let me let me point out, SB says if Kubrick was alive he'd sue. Kubrick's estate signed off on this. Now, whether or not Stanley Kubrick would sign off on it, that's a whole other story. But Kubrick's estate signed know. off on it. Did, as that's my understanding. Did Kubrick is that, have daughters? I, because if he did, then at some point, I guarantee you they had a Barbie. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. And he might have sat there and went, oh, yeah. I love this idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not going to speak to Stanley it's, Kubrick. It's a brilliant repurposing of the footage. And it's seamless. I mean, mm-hmm. it is seamless, the new stuff integrated into the old stuff. If the film is as clever as the trailer, now, <clears throat> it's going to be a hit. I do think that it's still Barbie and Ken somehow get transported I don't know, but from there's so Barbie much, world to There's so many other things going world. on in, in, <coughs> in the trailer that look like it's part of that. Like yeah. the, the whole part of the... the the but it might not be. It thing. might just. It might be all Barbie world, like and Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm much more interested in watching the film than I was before, and yep. I, I think that's a very but smart. Book. Christopher Hoffman in the chat says that he was able to pull up yesterday's show on the tube a few hours ago. So, ah. um, that would be good that if people good. could see it. I haven't gotten any notification that the claim has been released. So. And so yeah, yes. just because just because the the estate decides that it's okay doesn't necessarily mean that the actual filmmaker would be because right, you know right, right. you look at what's not. going on with Tolkien yeah, and I think yeah uh, Robert says that with that and I don't think that the Tolkien estate actually completely signed off on Rings of Power because. They didn't really start moving forward on production of Rings of Power until after Christopher died. And the rest of the family, as my understanding, the rest of the family doesn't care. Christopher was the torchbearer. Mm. He was the one to, you know, the custodian of the lore, as it were. And when he died, that's it. There's, there's really not anybody else in the Tolkien family, I'm given to understand that 
cares as much. Let's just make a fast buck, I guess, or whatever, because I think there's a nephew that's very mercenary in his thoughts about the whole thing. Um, but um, the other the other thing with Rings of Power is they had a Tolkien scholar, mm. somebody who was connected with the estate, right. and he quit or was fired, depending on what story you hear. So Rings of Power does not carry the cachet of being approved by the family, by the estate, the way this trailer does for Barbie. Right, yeah. So just, just putting but that yeah, out. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you have, if, whether you intend to see the film or not, check out the trailer. It's, very, it's a great example of very clever marketing, and the folks behind the trailer should be commended yeah. for yeah. just really, and again, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to watch the film, but I'm a lot more likely to now. I am too. Now, now Mazur says there would be an entirely other, other conversation whether Tolkien would have entertained any motion picture approximation of his books. Like, if Tolkien were alive, would he let any, any movies be made? Point of fact, Tolkien was alive when the animated uh, thing went. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know what he thought about it, but... It, it's it kind of like, would Frank Herbert <coughs> want the spin-off novels? Some of the early ones went off of Frank's notes. There's a gray area. To a degree. There's a gray area. Because the Dune Encyclopedia and the material that was published after Frank's death, wildly contradictory. Well, and then you've got like uh, um, uh, Anne McCaffrey's Mm -hmm. family continuing with the Dragon Rider stuff. And that was one of those things where Anne brought her son in five, six, ten books right, yeah. before she passed, and then now uh, her daughter is doing a couple of the books as well. So you have that continuation. That sense of continuity is a lot yeah. stronger, um, as opposed to, say, the Rogers of Lasney, where it's like, I don't want anyone else to do it. And, yeah. and the publisher published more anyway, and everyone's like, but we're not reading those. Yeah. So that <laughs> anyway, that is another that is a whole other discussion. All right. Anyway. So um, so let's let's uh, flip to, because another trailer that came out that has me thinking I might want to watch something more than I was going to is the new Ant Man trailer. Okay. So I am an Ant Man movie fan. I know they're not the big glamorous movies, but I've enjoyed every the first two entirely. I I had a, has two daughters and a step. Two daughters and a stepdaughter. There we go. So he, he he definitely had uh, some Barbie stuff going on in his life. That's interesting. Right? It's a signal. It's a signal. It's a sign. Get out. Get out now. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. Um, you know, the... Um, <laughs> yeah, the tra- now, and so I, I really enjoyed the Loki series. And Jonathan Major shows up at the tail end of that. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Um, as it was okay. I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. And you're allowed. I know. Um, and I thought Jonathan Major's performance at the end is so not what I was expecting from him because my only real experience with him was in Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. And he's great in that. Um, he's done dirty by the ending, but it's mm, okay. Um, the and so I, I I thought it was a very bold move for them to sit there and at the end of the series go 
we're going to give a guy basically a 20-minute speech and then let him run with it. And because he is a very dynamic actor and because he turned it into a performance, right. it works a lot better than it could have, and I really enjoyed it. But, so, him being revealed as Kang, and of course if you're, if you're a Marvel comic fan, then you know that Kang is only one of the titles that this entity has carried. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. With, with this version of, of Kang, and so really getting that into this and making him a real antagonist for Scott Lang. Yeah, and, and this trailer does a lot more to establish that we've got a, a bigger and somewhat darker story than you might have expected from the first trailer. Because mm -hmm. the first trailer is still, you know... You know it, all you're missing is Michael Pena's, you know, yeah. re, your rehash of everything that's come before. Although I still want to see that, you know, Michael Pena narrating oh, yeah. everything that's happened in the MCU, <clears throat> except <laughs> She-Hulk. But um, I actually enjoyed She-Hulk as well. So you, there you go. That doesn't surprise me. All right. <laughs> it's a lot closer to the comic than. I I stopped at three episodes. I thought this is the dumbest thing that Marvel has done so far. No, it's not the dumbest it's... thing Marvel has done so far. But <laughs> there was there was there was the whole decade of the '90s, folks. Trust me. Well, Marvel did a lot. Marvel of Studios. Marvel Studios. The current Marvel. They Studios. also sold a lot of their rights. So I'm we, talking anyway, about the Marvel I'm Studios. Saying, I'm it's not the dumbest thing that Marvel, Marvel Studios has done so far. But anyway, anyway, I quite enjoyed it. So if you did too. I, and and I, nothing and okay. wrong with it. And it's okay if you didn't like it either. But uh, yeah. I personally, the last episode of that series was could have been stripped, ripped, pulled straight out of the comic book. If you say so. And, of course, <laughs> the guy who wrote the comic book said he loved that episode. Dan Slott is a bonehead who has I'm, terrible, 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 terrible Twitter etiquette. That's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah, I don't. Dan Slott. I don't follow him on Twitter because ugly. I don't follow any ugly people. person on Twitter. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, uh, speaking of ugly, let's look at Evil Dead Rise. Oh, this trailer is so good. I am so excited about this movie. And and the thing is, is that okay? So I am a huge fan of the comedic Evil Dead, right? The early stuff. the early stuff. So the Sam Raimi stuff, because it is a wonderful melding of slapstick comedy mm -hmm. and horror. Now, comedy and horror, we've talked about this before, can go very good comedic horror, and it's hard to do. And you're going to be writing an article about that to go in our print magazine. I'm yes. Plug that in. And, and so, I mean, but comedy and horror, when, when done together in, in a way that works, can be just very incredibly entertaining. And the second and third Evil Dead films are exactly that. They are just fun. And they're gory and violent and and death everywhere. And you're laughing and it's great. And then this new version of these these new Evil Dead films are going back to the original intention that Raimi had back was I'm gonna make a horror movie. You're talking about the Fetty Alvarez. Yeah, so the Fetty yeah. yeah, so basically but this is produced by Raimi. It's produced, you know, with with Bruce Campbell as a producer. Um, and the first one of these films is essentially a remake of the first Evil Dead. Mm. And it's very gory and very violent and very intense. And because I like that in horror, my horror as well, um, I really enjoyed it. It works as a companion piece, not a replacement. 
I think there's one of the things that we get with these return to or reboots. Um, sometimes you get this feeling like it's meant to replace the original thing. Right. This doesn't feel like, didn't feel like that to me, right? It felt like it's another story about another group of people because it's not the same characters. You have those. It's you, not a straight up remake. Right. It's diff, It's the, the, the female lead of the, the, the new Evil Dead film is not Ash. She's not a character like Ash. She's no. a different person. And quite frankly, she goes through a different level of absolute hell that he went through. And it's a lot of fun. I, I, I mean, if you like intense, gory horror, Evil Dead is a scary thing. It's great. But this new trailer, there's a lot of dark comedy in this. But it's also almost gallows humor. What a child! When the it's a it's a a sister and her sister and her sister's kids, mm. and the aunt is looking at the little girl. Going, I'm going to get you out of here, honey. And the little girl looks at her and goes, "You're going to make a great mom someday." She's like, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah, you know how to lie to little kids." <laughs> and I mean, it's a funny line, but it's also a this child is basically going. We're gonna die. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, but the, I mean, it's, it's that level of intensity. It's that level of violence. It's that level of gore, and it's American audiences, American horror f- make filmmakers, often, not always, have a tendency to avoid putting children in danger, in right. serious danger. Right. I mean, you can you have the threat of danger is one thing, but there's very strong indications in this movie that people under the age of twenty are going to die badly. Mm-hmm. And so there's an intensity to it, but the trailer is really slick, really, w- and, and it transplants the Evil Dead to the city. We're so used to the Evil Dead stuff happening out in the woods, um, and the director has sat there and gone, um, "This is the cabin. Their apartment is the cabin. The woods is the rest of the building." Right. Um, and yeah. Has there been a has there been a trailer for the new Scream yet? Um, there is a teaser trailer. Okay, all right. The teaser trailer for the new Scream is because it's set again clever, set in New York City, huge population density at Halloween, and there are multiple people wearing the ghost face mask as a Halloween costume. And Should you're on there, a subway. Maybe, maybe there's more than one. Ki- or maybe one there's more than one killer. So I mean, the, the. Um, yes, yeah, so office dog. Junior office dog is not impressed with the conversation so far. Well, you know, junior which office. is fine because if she was any more energetic than she is right now, she'd be in my face. Well, she doesn't go to the theater anyway, does she? No, she doesn't. No, she's not a movie fan. <laughs> so anyway. But yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very solid. Uh, very creepy trailer, and it looks like the performances are going to be very. Um, there's always been a, a level of dark humor that runs through the Deadites, which is the possessed, um, not necessarily dead characters. There's there's a there's an outside chance that mm, you see the mother has been possessed. There's an outside chance she might live because yeah. just because you're possessed by a Deadite, the, they can leave you, and you. Sure. you know, of course, your body might not be in great shape when they leave and there's a chainsaw or your hand chainsaw (laughs) in this movie so yeah it's it's um it looks like it looks like it's potentially again trailers are 
there are entire studios that it's their job to make you a trailer. Except now, we can sue them if they lie to us. Potentially, 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 and here's that's going to be such a weird thing. But the thing is, all it's all it's been allowed is that the court case can go forward. If you're not familiar with this, um, <clears throat> well, I can't remember the name of the actress. There's an actress, Anna de Armas. Thank you, Anna de Armas. Uh, that's right. She's supposed to be in a movie. And she's she supposed to be in a movie, and they, and they cut out her. She didn't have a big part. They cut out her part entirely, and the people. There's like three three guys, and they're suing the studio because Anna Armas is still in the trailer, but not in the movie. But not in the movie. Now she is not the main character of the film. She's just she's just in the film. Yeah. So the, their, their it has been allowed is, to go forward because it's false advertising, is what they're what they're claiming. Well, and the thing is, is that that's why it is allowed to go forward. Is that in if you define it this way and that way, and which means it has it needs to be settled as a matter of law. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Can you imagine the Supreme Court hearing a case over over movie trailers? What will that do to J.J. Abrams' career? Because J.J. Abrams lies about everything. Russell T. Davies lies about everything. Well, the thing is that Russell T. Davies, you know he's lying. And I know. And that, will, that would be his defense in court, is that everyone knows I lie. That's the point. But everybody, all of the people in Hollywood that lie... Can you well, imagine? But the thing Let's is, just, a class action lawsuit against Hollywood. Just, yeah, you know, it's not going to work. There you go. Well, the thing is, that, but the fun thing is, is that this sort of stuff, um, and maybe one day we should do a show about the various ways that this stuff is because it kind of, it, it's in the same vein as copyright and things like that when it comes to this stuff. Right. Is that some of the legal implications of this, the fact that I'm actually surprised this hasn't happened before or Perhaps it has, and I it think was, there have been some noise. And it's made been knocked down past, before yeah. because because not every judge is going to allow this sort of thing to go forward. Sometimes they're going to sit there and go, "Okay, guys, you don't know the case." Um, but uh, depending on how it's presented, this this actually might turn into something. Well, yeah, because I mean, I, I don't know anything about their lawyers, but if they have enough, because when you when you put this stuff forward, you put forth. I'm going to reference this case and this case and this case to give myself some precedent, right? Sure, right. And I don't know what theirs look, what theirs looks like, but what, uh, what I would like maybe to there's see, a foundation for this. We need to we need to track down a uh, an entertainment lawyer mm. who can address some of this stuff and maybe come on, maybe you know, live from the bunker, maybe or or here, and talk about what this would involve. What happens if this moves forward? What are the implications if suddenly it's determined that trailers are false advertising if it doesn't give you exact... Because how many trailers... Would would that then turn around and the trailer becomes... Tell us everything that's in the movie? Because how do you do that? Well, what I mean, what, what and, would you do? What would what be about, the point of going to see the movie? What if, about the filmmaker who actually wants the trailer to not tell you something important yeah. and, and lead you a direction <coughs> that the movie's not because that's the twist or you get Marvel which makes complete scenes just for the trailer just to throw everybody off and make them think that something's going to happen that doesn't or how far could you extend that because movie posters y'all are very very deceptive TV commercials oh yeah there's radio all commercials. there's all I mean, kinds of all do now and, and, of and false advertising there being laws against false advertising exist for a reason a lot of it is protecting you. Yes. And the difference between protecting you from a 
movie versus protecting you from well it my goes, product will make it goes you, back it goes back not necessarily that the movie is going to cause harm except financially we're we're defrauding a whole class of people in that the audience for the movie the people who go and buy a ticket and you're talking about million hundreds of millions of dollars potentially in mm -hmm. all of these films depending on what the budget is sure, and how right, big yeah. it is that's a massive amount of fraud, quote unquote, if it's allowed to move forward. But I think you're going. I think what were I to a have a law degree, which I do not. Do not come to me for legal advice. This is a dangerous thing. I have watched too many episodes of Law and Order. I don't know <laughs> the law, um, but I, I I do pay. I find some of this stuff very uh, interesting. So. At least it's at least it's L.A. law and not cop rock. You you got that going for you. I understand. Um, the the likelihood of it succeeding ultimately, I think, is going to fail on the very simple fact that the process of producing a movie involves cutting things out. Yeah, and because you can't. You shoot four hours, you shoot a lot more than four hours to make a two-hour <laughs> movie, but I mean, you, you have, you know, five or six or seven hours of story right. that is often cut down, often to the detriment of the story itself, um, but... Well, and let's say, let's say you get really, really, really technical with it, and this particular angle, this particular camera angle is in the trailer, right. the scene yeah. is there, the, 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 the shot's there, but it's a different camera angle, or it's a different take, or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you could get really, really, really... So I think, I think it'll be what... It's entirely possible that the judges ought to just go forward just to sit there and say, this is why it can't be that way. Yeah. Um, expecting that these people are going to lose, but also going, you know what? Maybe this needs to be on the books as a law. And that's yeah. some, sometimes that's why a judge... Or a prosecutor, or a defense attorney, or a judge will ha even have a case being happening. Is that we need to make sure this is actually in on the books as a law because its impact going forward could be problematic. Yeah. So um, horror comedy. We've had somebody ask about this particular one, Renfield. <laughs> okay. So when I first heard, <laughs> it is it is a. Fun trailer. What it's I not a, not what I expected at all. First heard of Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. Nicolas Cage, of course, having this resurgence in his career, mm, yeah. which is great. Um, for all the problems, his Mandy and Color Out of Space. For all the problems that the director of Color Out of Space is running into right now. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's another, there's another story we'll get into one of these days. But um, he could be going to jail. Um, the tr uh, the idea of the Nicolas Cage playing Dracula was kind of like, yeah, sure, of course, it's Nicolas Cage. Why, why not? Um, and then I saw photos from it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I saw, I saw I, there. I, I think I know which which particular photo you th you're talking about. He's out on the street in that bright red, and it and just looks goofy. It does. But it's like Batman sixty six goofy. They're like, wait a minute, what kind of movie are they making? And I'm here? like, okay, sure, but it just it, it's it's one of those things where it's again, first impressions. <clears throat> you get an idea of something, and, and right, trailer comes out, 
<laughs> and it's funny. It's yeah. le- it looks legitimately funny, and Nicolas Cage looks legitimately creepy and funny. Um, and I thought, yeah, th- th- that trailer. J- Nicholas Holt plays Renfield. Now, Renfield, interestingly enough, I was having this conversation um, with with Dustin. And Renfield is a very tiny character in the book. Yeah, he he's, he doesn't have a lot to do he's except at the beginning. Become a popular character because of the film versions of Renfield. I mean, you've had Tom Waits play Renfield. Yeah. I mean, you're you know it's. But they've exaggerated the whole bug-eating thing, and here they, they lean into it too, and then we like give him superpowers, and <laughs> but it's this whole my boss is terrible. I know. That, it's just like, like you know, wait a minute, what? What kind of wait? What movie is this? What are we doing here? And and the, just the misunderstanding because he's in a self-help group where it's like you know, yeah. and but it looks uh, and uh, well, the the best. I don't want to say the best part of the trailer, but a notable point in the trailer is toward the end, when the, you know, right before the reveal, right, is you know, this, and the door opens, and it's, you know, am, am, I, am I allowed, you know, is this, you know, is this where this is me? And I was like, yeah, come on in, <laughs> and it feels like, no! <laughs> Because that's the vampire lore. Because if, yeah, if you if you watch the Lost Boys, they're very clear on this. Vampires <laughs> cannot, may not, must not, shall not enter a building unless they're invited. Right. And it's nice to see this kind of. It's just a moment. It's like, yeah, sure, come on in. <laughs> and reveals like, no, 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 wait. Yeah, it's it looks funny. like. It looks like it could be a lot of fun, and if the film, if the level of comedy, the whole, if the whole film is level, there's a lot of wordplay, mm-hmm. and a lot of, a lot of. Did you just say the thing I think you said? Kind yeah. of feeling, you know, it's or you know, did I just see you cut off a guy's arm with a serving tray? <laughs> it's all in the race. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just that kind of just deadpan kind of stuff. It, yeah, it looks like. Yeah. I, it, it's another film that I'm very much looking forward to seeing, um, and. Hopefully, laughing as much as I laughed through the trailer. <coughs> I'm I'm looking forward to um, some films, not necessarily that are, you know, in my wheelhouse. I mean, you look at Renfield, and you look at uh, Barbie, and you look at Jung E, and you look at Daughter, as uh, another one, and none of them are franchises. None of them right. are sequels. None of them are prequels. None of them are in the universe spinoffs or anything like that. Well, I'm thinking, even oh, even when you do something I'll, like I'll watch it. Like, I'll watch it just for that. Even even for something like Evil Dead Rise, which is in that, it's not. It's a new set of characters. <laughs> yeah, it's not a direct right. Sequel it's, it's set in, in the world of yeah. Um, and and the. Because of the power of the franchise, and of course I completely understand why studios go with franchises, because you've got a built-in audience, and they're going to show up for the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and it's, it's a business. I mean, right. it's the movie industry. It's not the movie get together and hang out with your friends. It's, yeah. it's a business. Um, so I get it, but the rise of the... And, uh, it's Marvel's fault. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> the rise of the superhero franchise is this stuff has dominated our screens. Right. And well, actually, it's Steven Spielberg's fault. It's George Lucas's fault. It's Sergio Leone's fault <laughs> because actually, it's H.W. W. W. Griffith. 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 Yeah, fault. it's his fault. Um, but I mean, it, it's it, Thomas Edison's <laughs> fault. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so you've got this, you know, it, it's a it's a logical thing, and of course, superhero films have have dominated the box office, and the spectacle picture is what they really kind of want. A lot of things that's the drive to get you into the theater, and one of the things that unfortunately we have seen over the last couple of decades mm. is these smaller pictures not getting the exposure or the playtime in the theaters, or, or even making it to the theaters. Period. Yeah. Um, now, because we have so many different platforms that have to have something to fill in the time, um, Warner Brothers, you have to have something to fill in the time. Anyway. <laughs> um, Netflix, um, just because you have a giant catalog doesn't mean you should cancel everything. I think, and this is, this is something completely out of this conversation, but just since you brought since you mentioned Netflix I think that Netflix is going to get out of streaming as their primary thing in the next five years because they're building a huge studio I think in New Jersey mm. production studio like we're going to be making stuff they're going to be they're going to be a studio like Warner Brothers and Disney and all these others and I think they're getting out of well, n not not totally getting out of, but as we're seeing through the, the last two, three, four years, and even now, you know, streaming is a lost leader. Nobody is making money on streaming. You know, I uh, Disney Disney did their earnings call and they're what one one point five billion dollars they've lost or 15 million dollars you know so, some outrageous number that they've lost money on the whole disney plus thing i can only imagine that all of them hbl max netflix paramount plus all of peacock all of well, them are losing money but the <clears throat> so again, netflix has to be looking at this thinking okay we can't continue to make the stuff, I think that's one of the reasons why they made that deal for that Korean library that they just did, we can't continue to make the stuff and put it on our own streams. Kind of like what David Zaslav is doing over at Warner Brothers. It's like, we'll make it, but we might not necessarily put it on HBO Max. We may sell it. We may license it. We may lease it because it's about making money. Right. And we can't do that if we make it and then we put it here, which is already paid for and we're not making any money. So I think Netflix is going to get out of streaming as their primary thing, especially if they make it. They're going to build this big studio, and they're going to start making movies, and they're going to start making TV shows, and they're going to farm them out, same as every, any other studio. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing they could possibly do. I think that they, it, it might be a solution to the problem they give themselves right now, which is if you're building your entire model off of renewing a show because you've got this many viewers in this window of time. Uh -huh. And even though just by the sheer number of offerings out there, not everybody watches everything right away. Right. 
So you may be canceling a show after one season or two seasons. Two seasons, it's Netflix. <coughs> um, but the audience gets there in season two. You don't have the numbers for in season one, but you got them in season two. You canceled the show in eight because you've done them in season one. Well, yeah. and you've even got some shows that are getting canceled with season with the next season in ta- in the can done. Well, um, you know you've got um, or or already renewed and then they step it back. Yeah, um, um, Snowpiercer is not going to be on TNT. They've got season four is done, but it's not going to run on TNT. They're going to farm it out. They're mm-hmm. going to shop it around. They're going to see if anybody else wants to pick it up. There is an animated anthology series that AMC just canceled. I can't remember the name of it, but season two is complete. And the original deal was for two seasons. So regardless, it was going to be done after the season anyway. So you don't necessarily have to cancel it now because you've already paid for it. Might as well run it and then, you know, run out the clock. But I, I have a really hard time believing that every one of these folks thought that they were going to get unlimited exponential growth of viewers forever. Yeah, I... I it, it, does, it doesn't make any sense because surely, surely, surely someone sat there and went, that's not how... There's there's I, X number of human beings on the planet. I think... Therefore, you got to cap out at some point, buddy. Yeah, I think what they saw was the initial... The initial success of Netflix that killed Blockbuster. And everybody went, oh, this is the next thing. We're all going to be streaming and we're all going to be online and it's going to be different from cable. And then it turns out not to be very much different from cable. Well, I mean, look, Blockbuster is an excellent example of the next technology coming along and replacing it. Folks? They didn't adapt fast enough. Netflix is the next technology. There's going to be something after Netflix. Netflix is also the next blockbuster. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those things where it's just going to be all of these things are going to, there's always going to be something new coming along. Yeah. It's not going to be VR. Um, no. Although there's that Eli Roth thing, that VR thing, we just, got a, we just got a press release on that they're going to be doing the meta uh, v- VR TV production that Eli Roth wrote. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a place for it. I'm just saying that the idea that we had in the 90s, <laughs> 3D, that we were all going to be, you know, in these VR worlds. There were Exiles episodes for crying out loud. We were all in the we're in the virtual well, world. And we're playing holodex. 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 And the thing is, is that the technology does exist to do some of this stuff, but a, it's expensive. Yeah. It's outside of most people's price range, or most comfortable. I mean, it's it's not super. I mean, it's I'm not gonna spend. I got other things to spend that money on. Yeah, I do too. Um, rent, <laughs> among other things. But um, the eggs, eggs, <laughs> yeah, eggs. The tech, the technology exists, but the thing is, is that it's still awkward and unpleasant. And turns out, um, gives people motion sickness. So that's that's not something we talked about in the 1990s. We talked about VR. Right. Is the fact that I feel ill because the sensory input is telling me I'm off balance. Or it 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 uh, it triggers your your um, sense of vertigo. Vertigo, or your um, um, seizures. Yeah, I mean, you so know, there's that, 
that kind of thing. I don't know. It, it, it looks good on paper. It looks good in, in, on, on the TV episodes and See, in the movies. Back but. in the day, back in the day, all we had to worry about was Mary Hart's voice triggering seizures. Now we've got all of this virtual reality stuff. That, that was an actual thing. You ever heard, did you hear about that? I, I don't believe I have. There was somebody who had um, some odd reaction mm. every time he heard Mary Hart's voice. Oh, no. It triggered a seizure. What, what is, um, What's the condition where you get seizures all the time? Um, epilepsy? Epilepsy, yes. Epileptic really? seizure. Interesting. Mary Hart's voice, for some reason... It's, it's got to be a harmonic thing in how it's reacting. Yeah. That's interesting. We're talking about streaming. Let's talk about Disney Plus real quick. Let's talk about Mandalorian. Because I've, Mandalorian's trailer came out. We're going to be talking about it on Thursday on the Ranker Pit. Just watched the trailer today, <coughs> as a matter of fact. It's... I don't know what I think about it yet. I got to watch it again. Um. Okay. So I've watched it a couple of times because I a lot of times with the trailer I'll watch it back to back. So I'm like, did, did I miss something the first time? Around? Right. Um. And it looks like I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this is going to come across. I watched the trailer and went, okay, it's a new season of The Mandalorian. Yeah. And that's not a negative. But there's not anything really compelling there yet. So, I mean, the, there were a couple of shots I thought were kind of cool, and I'm interested in the idea about getting more into, you know, I'm going to Mandalore. You know, this, right. This thing. There's some interesting stuff in there, but it wasn't one of those things. And, and I don't know, with a show like The Mandalorian, do you need to? It has its audience. Mm-hmm. It has the, you know, it is, it is been or it's done enough to sit there and go, this yeah. is what we do. This is what we are, and so I mean, it's a it's a solid trailer, but it didn't like make me go. <gasps> yeah, I was just like, okay, <coughs> right. It's Mandalorian. All right. I think um, overall, Star Wars and Lucasfilm, because you know we've got you know all of the rumors surrounding Indiana Jones Five, but I think I will say the de aging. I watched it. I watched that trailer again. It's some of the best aging I've seen. Not in the parade stuff. The face re- that's right, not the that, aging. It, that's face replacement. It is good. It is good. It and, is and, very good. But but here's the thing. Um, what's the one with De Niro? He just did it. Uh, um, the Irishman. The Irishman. That one was not good. The effect is not bad. The thing is that De Niro moves like his age. Right. And this is something that I. I I don't know. I mean, you could. You, Harrison but, Ford is of an age where he moves like he's of that age, and that's fine. Here's what I except, think they're doing. Here's what I think they're doing. I think they're doing the same thing they're doing on on Mandalorian with Luke Skywalker. Different is actor playing you, the part. You have yeah. a different body, and, and I'm you're replacing the face. And if they do it right, then I'm fine with that. But I just want, I, like I said, I, I anyway. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. Um, for those of you who are wondering. Because these microphones pick up everything in the room, you're hearing a senior office dog, who is uh, down here, basically telling Mindy that it's time to go to bed because it is 8:15 here, and for whatever reason he decides about an hour before Mindy right. pumpkins out, it's time to start getting ready to go to bed. My and so you know that's what you're hearing. I work from home, <clears throat> and my cat Hamish. Um, knows when nap time should be. 
Yes. Also known as Tim get Tim All get day. Tim gets away. <laughs> no, it's Tim gets away from Tim's desk, and goes into the bedroom, and if nothing else, just not at his computer for half an hour or so. Right. And because Hamish wants to lie down next to me and get his head rubbed and get his belly rubbed, but that's nap time. Right. And I can be sitting, and on the days when I'm working late at my desk, he will come into the room and yell at me <laughs> because I like am not. Do. And, you know, it's like, yes, I'm aware, okay, but I got to finish this. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the cat who was in the basement of my building, trapped in the basement of my building, <laughs> screaming. We had a cat fight out here the other day outside the compound, and it was just, I mean, it, like, um, are those were cats or something? What's going on out there? Because they were going at it. If you don't know, um, I talked about this a long, long time ago. Hamish was a cat. My, my cat Hamish is was a little orange cat that was on my on my porch, um, and I on my old apartment. And I would hear him crying in the night, and I would go out and I couldn't find him. And, and this went on for God, a week or so. Yeah. And then and then found uh, came back from uh, I was filming a burlesque show, and I came back from rehearsal, and I found him. And brought him in, and, and he is now a very big orange cat. Yes, very big. He's big. I mean, he's not fat. He's big. He's like a ride he's him a around. Fat. Well, he's not fat. Um, <laughs> um, they're far fatter cats. But the, he's he's big boned. He is. I mean, he's he's yeah. like this long. He's very tall. Anyway, his um, bones are fluffy. As opposed to as opposed to Moira, who is still small. Yeah. But. Um, so we have a cat out, there's a cat out back of my apartment, and I go out at night and I see this fluffy little gray cat, which is now being fed by, I think, four or five people in the two buildings. Oh. So this is going to be a round yeah. little gray cat here soon. Um, but I thought that was the cat that was screaming. And it's not? And I would go out and the cat wouldn't make any noise. That cat is completely silent. And, but, and I couldn't hear the screaming cat. And I go like inside my apartment, I hear the cat screaming. I'm like, what the hell? And it turns out that there's a broken window to my basement, and I presume that's how the cat got in, and could not get back out. Ah. And so um, I discovered that <clears throat> maintenance guy did not lock the basement door, which is an exterior door to the building. <laughs> um, and so I opened the door. Um, cat shoots out. No, no. I was like, "Hello." <laughs> Very plaintive. Came up, didn't, wouldn't let me pet them, but was like, not like running from me. Right. Um, just didn't want me to move quickly towards them. Sure. And but it was a little fluffy black cat with a big poofy tail, and I'm like, "How many cats have we got around my apartment right now?" <laughs> so um, unfortunately, you know. I almost, I guess I almost had a third cat, um, but, so we'll, we'll see what happens little uh, gray cat, who's yeah. going to be. My mom. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so last one. Let's talk Wolfpack. So I have not seen the Wolfpack trailer yet. I haven't either. Um, but I will tell you this. So Wolfpack is a spinoff TV series. This is with Sarah, Mich Sarah Michelle Geller coming back to horror. Um, of course, she just recently said 
that she has no interest in returning to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's very smart. Um, for a number of reasons. One is that she that she feels that it's a story that's meant to be kind of a teenage, the character should be teenaged, yeah. right? Um, because it's a, it's a coming of age. It's a coming of age story. And quite frankly, um, her life and, and career have moved on from that. But she is, Wolfpack is a spinoff of Teen Wolf. And Teen Wolf, the movie, and Teen and, and Wolfpack are coming out on the same day, the first episode of Wolfpack. And if you're a fan of Teen Wolf, this is great. Now it looks like the teen, the Wolf Pack, from what I've read and what I've seen so far, without having seen the trailer, um, is going to be a little less ridiculous than Teen Wolf. I watched two seasons of Teen Wolf, the last two, um, from Dustin Adair, uh big Teen Wolf fan. Yes. And we watched, he was like, we're going to watch Teen Wolf. And I'm like, are we? He's like, yes, we are. All right, fine. And everybody in this town has a bunker. Nobody can afford to build these bunkers. I'm sorry. I don't care how rich you are. You cannot afford to build these bunkers. Um, Elon Musk would look at these bunkers and go, I'm not spending that money. Are you kidding me? It's, it's an investment over time. The entire, there, this town you know, has no, at the time. this town has no sewer systems because it's all bunkers. It's all bunkers. It's bunkers as far as the depth can see. <laughs> and, but it's, Team Wolf is fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. It's not the, you know, you go back to the Michael J. Fox movie. It's not right. that, right? It's. It's um, much different from that. No, it's much different. And and it, it's if you're a fan of supernatural, if you're a fan of you know some of these, the um, if you're well, if you're a '90s Velma, one. <coughs> anyway, very very briefly, I will say this: um, <laughs> Velma is 100% designed to make you angry. Yes, it that's is. what the show is. Yes, it, it is. is. It it does yes, not it actually have an audience. Right. It's not being made for anyone except making you mad. And and that goes for season two also. Don't. Don't give in. Don't give in. Honestly, resist the urge to be angry about Velma. Just ignore it. Yeah. Because it's. Not worth your time. Not worth your attention. If, if you want, if you want a variation off the Scooby gang that's good, go pick up Edgar Cantero's meddling kids. You can find it as a book. You can find it as an audiobook. Um, I'm sure you can get it for your Kindle if you want it. Yeah. Go buy the physical book or get some of the audiobook because the narration is great. But it is the best riff on the Scooby, on the, on, on the gang, without being them. If you want someone to poke fun at it, he does. But you know what he also does? Clearly loves the source material. Yeah. So he respects it while making fun of it and making you smile because you know why you laughed about that thing. Mm. I can't wait for the confirmation. That's what you get. Because this, this thing came out and it's, it started circulating because there's a photograph of the new Shaggy with a girl. And the girl has a name. But I can't remember what the name is. It's like Shaggy is Norville, right? Yeah, so you yeah. have Norville and you have this girl, right? And a lot of people are saying that this girl also has, besides her name, has a nickname, and her nickname is Scooby with an I. So we're not going to get a dog. We're going to get Norville dating Scooby. 
is, I, I, I'm like, or, or, or you could completely ignore Velma. Don't watch it. So it, look, like I said, meddling kids, Edward, Edward, Edgar Contero. Okay, excellent story. Um, or the Venture Brothers. If you want yeah. this kind of deconstruction of a concept. Right, I've and, seen clips of that. And and one of these days we can talk about, we maybe have an episode where I sit there and tell about all the great deconstruction stuff that I love. There's a reason why Wicked is a hit. You know, that, sounds like, that sounds like a lie from the bunker. You could just take the entire hour all by yourself and do that. Maybe we'll do that one of these Maybe days. we'll do that. Yeah, we can do that. Because, I mean, I... Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Don't give in to the outrage machine. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it is so clearly deliberate. Oh. They're doing it to you on purpose, folks. That's what it. Because it, it's 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 clever marketing. Well, see, and that and that that's something else that we could talk about at some point. No, I'll 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 end on this because it has been circulating on social media that Hollywood has learned. Nothing. Again, Hollywood learns the wrong lessons, right? Hollywood has learned that there are two really effective marketing methods that they can really lean into. One is lying to you, because J.J. Abrams did it all the time. The other one is the hate baiting, the rage baiting. We're going to do this thing to make you mad. And of course, it generates all sorts of social media activity, which raises awareness numbers and trending numbers sure, and all this right, other yeah. stuff, right? And I, I keep saying, and a lot of people keep saying, you know, a lot of these YouTubers, we're all saying the same thing. The opposite of loving a franchise, the opposite of loving a show or loving a comic book or loving a book or a movie or whatever, the opposite is not hate and rage. The opposite is indifference. You have to stop caring altogether. No hate watching, no rage baiting. No, no rants about how bad it is or how much, because all of that attention feeds the algorithms, and that's all they care about. Especially those companies that are getting all this EHG money, and they don't care about profit, because we got all this grant money coming from the government. We don't care if we sell anything to you now. It's you know our money is coming from other places, so we don't care about profit. And we'll just make this thing like Velma. We'll just make this thing to make you mad, so you talk about it. And then, I mean, and then we get Batwoman for three seasons. Nobody watched Batwoman, but there was plenty of social media chatter about it, and that's all I care about. On that note, let's show people all of the social media channels where they can find us and chatter. It is. It, <laughs> and then we'll get out of here. So now, in fairness, I have not seen any of Velma. I haven't either. I have I've seen I have, I have seen enough bothered. of it to have formed that opinion. And honestly, folks, if you watch an episode of Velma and you think we're wrong and that we should we should sit there and go You should have Christopher no, oh, Christopher is taking one for the team. Christopher has seen the first episode, I think. All right. Well we'll Well, you know what? We'll the thing see. is is that hey, again, you form an opinion without watching a thing. Yeah. All Some, right. Let's so let's show our socials. We'll get and we'll get out of here. So all of these social media platforms, where you can find us, all these video platforms where you can find us, uh, the Ooh. newsletter you can sign up for, the Discord server is active. There are plenty of places where you can have conversations over there about a lot of different things. Very 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 active chat about what's going on with Wizards of the Coast, D and D Beyond. <laughs> and that's they kind of apologized. No, they kinda. didn't. Kinda. No, they didn't. 
They said they rolled a one. Well, they did roll a one, but (laughs) that's not the only one they're going to do. So anyway, all right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Don't forget, over on, uh, let's let's throw up some billboards here. Uh, On Thursday night, we will be talking about uh, the, the most recent couple of episodes of The Bad Batch, plus all of the rumors and the innuendos and everything that's going on with the Lucasfilm stuff. And then on, what's the next one that I got there? Um, tomorrow, we got more live from the bunker. And then coming up this weekend, we have new uh, Good Morning Multiverse. So all of that stuff, these are all regular stuff. So join us for all of that. If you are not subscribed, we do invite you to subscribe. Hit the bell, like, share, all that good stuff because it helps the al- algorithm. In spite all. of Dick Clark Productions. The algorithm. All hell the algorithm. All hell the algorithm. All right. Al, go rhythm. Good night, everybody. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 